Yeah, sorry, I got a phone call. It kicked me this time. I'm not sure why. iOS is weird this way. It sometimes kicks you, sometimes it doesn't. But you were saying about your father, he's old. Yeah, like he's been through these market dumps and stuff. He knows not to sell low. So it's like when he was playing the market, he just kept adding all the way, like last bull market. And um, so, yeah, he like, but yeah, he didn't lose because he sold low. Point is the point that <laughs> so some some of that is just experience and realizing that like you're never going to time these things properly and uh and at the same time he doesn't like look at crypto very often so so what what's funny is like what happens is if you um like if you do like dork shit like we do like charting stuff and whatever then what happens you're hyper focused on the price you're you bought it at 15 bucks and now it's 14 you're like oh my god look it's 14 it's down and you're looking at your P&L and you're looking at the, all these things and you're just worried about them or something. When you don't look at them at all, like, and they do well, you're like, ah, you're just pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, six months goes by, all my stocks are up 20%. I didn't really pay attention to most of them at all. On the way up, I didn't like pay attention to how much, how green they were. I just look at the general direction. And all I did was like, looked at my, my portfolio only to sort of buy dips. So like, oh, look, that one went down a bit or maybe, you know, this one's a better value right now. I'll add to it. But I, that's the only reason I looked. I didn't really look at it and say like gloat over the gains or something. And um, also when the, when the stock market dipped just now, yeah, I mean, I saw like the, the total value of that portfolio go down some, but I didn't really overanalyze it or overthink it. And part of the reason why you don't is because like, if you're diversified, it probably doesn't go down that much for starters. It's a modest amount. But at the same time, it was like, I wasn't paying attention on the way up. I'm not paying attention on the way down either, unless it's to buy something. And um, for sure, like the, it's interesting when like some of the shit that I bought mooned, like it literally went up 100%. I'm like, oh, wow, I was not expecting that to happen. And it's kind of a pleasant surprise. But had I been watching it on the way up, would I have held that or would I have sold it on the way up? That's a de big debate, right? I might have just sold it. <laughs> so the thing, like sometimes ignoring it, nets you a benefit and sometimes it nets you harm but i would say in crypto the problem is the extraordinary volatility um will really just lead most people to unnecessary psychological trauma um where they're just like hyper focused on it that's why that's why they say like bear markets are more relaxing you don't care and bull markets here we are talking about price action and shit <laughs> like you know that's the that's the typical um mindset zephyr is a great example right like there's people that bought it at six, it went up to 52 and now it's at 15. So like I gave up, you know, a substantial portion of the gains to be a hodler essentially. Right. Whereas, um, on the other hand, had you bought it like, you know, 15 and now you're back to 15, you're like, Oh, okay. I'm just break even now. And uh Oh, but it's going down a little bit. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to be down on my portfolio. Or maybe I add it and maybe I bought it 30 and now you're already down. Right. So it depends on where you got into that chart you know, your mind is in a different place. Your, your focus is in a different place. And, and to me, I know how these things move. So it's like, all right, like if it takes a number of months to sort of pull itself back up, fine, whatever. I'm not too worried about it. Like, you know, I, we're talking about it just because like, you know, people care about it and we're chatting about it. But like me personally, all I did was add on the way down. Um, I'm not too worried about the fact that it did, did a, 
distribution and all that stuff because it's actually good for the network. The more people get in at a lower price, the better it is, basically, right? So you want some people to sell for profit. Uh, you want them to get out. So like if they bought it $2 and they sold it 50 awesome, let them go. Because if, they, if they're out, the, that means that like when it goes to 100 uh, the people that bought it at you know fifteen bucks may be willing to hold this thing to a thousand or whatever, right? The, so you need new diamond hands, you need new distribution, you need new um, novel people in the mix, um, and you want to also have some of those early folks that bought in really cheap exit some because they're kind of like big whales, and big whales are future sellers. Yeah, dangerous, yeah, they're dangerous. Well, they're just future sellers. I mean, it's so. Yeah, but, but just imagine like you have a really like a Bitcoin whale that bought like fifty cents for one Bitcoin, right? And he had, he had like ten thousand or twenty thousand. Yeah, and he sells today, you know. Yeah, in a market. I mean, warning order. for everybody. It's, like, it's really bad. Yeah, warning for everybody. I have a lot, um, and and my average price is now probably like, probably current price. I didn't actually calculate it. I probably should. I didn't even look at my. Uh, actual entry exact average, but uh, the point is, I've, I've bought quite a bit, and it's prob I'm probably at like current price is probably like my like total cash, you know, that's stuck in this thing. Some of it's down because I bought it at thirty. Some of it's up because I bought it at six. But it's averaging somewhere in here. It's fine. I'm not paying too close attention because um, uh, it's you know neither here nor there. Um, but I haven't like run the Mexi thing on Coinly or whatever to look at the actual portfolio difference. So I'm, I just truly just bought whatever I felt like it whenever I was in the mood and as the price was going down. And, um, you know, so like, you know, is it possible that I might sell some at 100 or 200 or 1,000 or 1,400 or whatever that number is? Sure, it's possible. <laughs> you should assume that I will. Um, is that dumping or is that normal selling? What is that? You know, it depends on what you think. Um, everyone here is free to sell and dump on me whenever they feel like in fact many people did like because I, I still haven't sold any yet so i you know i could have sold at 50 bucks or whatever sure um i did not and the reason is because i felt like um these things are too unpredictable it's hard to find decent projects and it's like well i don't want to fumble the bag i'm just going to hold it i'm just going to add on the way down or whatever and i did and then you know when it um you know, when it makes it make makes much higher highs or whatever, um, then I'll be the beneficiary because, you know, I put more money into it. It's that simple. Um, so dips are opportunities. If you because if you think about it, like time is your opportunity here. If you know about an interesting project and you don't buy the dip, you only buy the initial. You can do that. Or you could say, well, you learn more about the project over time. You're like, OK, I have a little bit more conviction. I like this thing. I'm going to add more on this next dip because I didn't allocate enough at the very beginning. So I, I like, should I have bought more at 6K? Sure. In retrospect, yes, I should have. Um, you know, I should have just, you know, gone heavy right from the very beginning. I just didn't know enough about the project at that moment. I heard about it like two days prior. Up was like, hey, check this out. I'm like, okay, I'll get some. But I didn't really like have a high conviction. I, I thought it was much more interesting or useful afterwards. So I added more money later. So that's common. So the first pump is like your advertising pump or your early adopter pump. And then the the next pump is gonna be like a much more wide adoption sort of pump usually. That's how these things work. Um, when it's gonna happen, I don't know, but my general thesis is in a bull market, uh, Bitcoin halvening year, um, what happens is, is that a lot of people will speculate in these coins without having any clue what they are. 
right? So like as the market goes forward, maybe like six months, maybe a year from now, maybe like maybe it's more 2025, what will tend to happen is um, the market will have a lot more liquidity in it and there'll be a lot of different market caps on CoinGecko and people will tend to throw money at anything that hasn't pumped yet or they'll go down the list and go, oh, like, you know, like the, the people go, wait, wait, which of these is down the most today? Okay, let's get that one. Which of these has retraced the most? Okay, let's get that one. And liquidity just starts flowing into everything when that happens. Like people just ape into anything and everything. So you want to be prepared for a bull market where nobody cares about the fundamentals. Like they don't care about what price you bought it at. They don't care what whale has what. Like they don't care about any of that shit. They just come irrationally, just buy and pump things. That's the time you're waiting for. Typically, we are not there yet for sure. Certainly not for Zephyr, but certainly not for the general market. We are just not there yet. Um, if we were, like Link would, for example, already be at prior high or, or um, ETH would be at prior high by now already. That's not even the case, right? So we're still relatively early. And um, I think a lot of people argue that this year will be a sideways year. Like it could be a lot more boring than you think. Um, even though happening is in April and whatever, this could be just like whatever year. <laughs> like <laughs> this has happened in the past where like the entire happening year was just boring, just sideways, whatever. And very near the end is where like things started to juice up a little bit. So I'm not sure. Um, you know, barring some kind of catastrophe, I like the charts this year though. If you look at like, um, I don't know, like, uh, you look at a lot of these charts, we've had a very good, nice, like long 18 month long consolidation period where prices were relatively flat and everyone that had wanted to sell could have sold by then, right? So my sense is that we're probably gonna do a little bit of front loading of the bull market where we're gonna run early because like all those people that were in the bear market are going to take advantage of the fact that like the run is early and the people that are like who haven't been around like you know newbies and stuff they're going to show up much later and they'll probably show up after we have one run maybe a gigantic pullback like maybe this is like a sort of bear market rally type of thing maybe it runs to you know coins run a little bit more maybe they don't and maybe they pull back a lot and then the, the quote unquote real bull market can begin um that's a possibility as well. So we could have a, a, a real serious run that's quite large, but not break highs and all this shit that we're talking about. And that may not happen for later. So um, very, very tough to say how the, like how this is gonna actually run. We'll see. But um, like of the charts out there right now, I think like Zephyr's had one of the nicer pullbacks. Link has had one very nice consolidation. Um, and a lot of news. Um, let's see what else is out there right now today. Yeah, Kajira's pulling back a little bit more too. It's 368. Um, yeah, everything's dropping a bit today. Fetch is looking kind of weak, by the way. It's one of the ones we were hoping that would like hit high. Did you hold your Fetch nib or did you sell yours? You sold, right? Yeah, I sold. Um, I suggested I Bruce sold. do the same. He was in a grid bot though, so he's he's fine. But um, Fetch like is retesting below fifty day moving average for the third time. That's not a good sign. <laughs> like it yeah. looks like it's going to roll over. I think it's going to. Hmm? Yeah, I think it's going to hit forty cents. Or I think so. It's going to probably go back to the. It'll quickly dump back to the two hundred day moving average probably. 
Um, yeah, but that might be a nice entry, you know, if it really goes there. And, problem and with fetch, though, like some of it was just AI and some of it was luck and shit. I don't know, like. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good entry necessarily. It really depends on the narrative, you know. I mean, if if something's going on with OpenAI and everyone's like, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, if it giga dumps to like nine cents all the way back to like, you know, bear market level, I think then it's a really obvious buy. Everything in between is like, I don't know how much this will run because here's the thing. Remember, as this thing is falling, like if it take if fetch takes a while to fall, like let's say it takes a while to get back to its lows, you might have a bunch of other stuff that's running. And then by that point, you know how crypto people are. They're just like low attention span. So they're like, uh oh, I'm getting out of here. There's more there's better gains to be had over here, right? It's very PvP. You're not very nice today, you know. You you a while ago you said most can't put a cohesive yeah no but my, my point is but they act like they're everyone's like moths to a flame it's like you see the thing that's going up and it's like oh it's running go do that or whatever right so yeah, yeah I, I think the rotation is what i'm saying is like um if 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 capital it. rotates out of that thing they may forget it after that they may be like okay i'm not coming back to this right the assumption you're we're making is hey we're going to sell here maybe we'll buy back lower but are those people really going to buy back lower? Did they really love fetch AI or did they just ride the AI narrative? And the odds are that they just rode the narrative. And those people that bought it like a nickel, the five cents, and now they're at 62 cents, they're seeing the price fall. As price falls, you know how these things go. Like, oh, I'm going to take profit. I'm going to take profit. And then everyone takes profit and it just keeps going down. So, um, yeah, I was hoping fetch would hit its all-time high. Um, maybe it still will, by the way. And maybe I'm just being overly pessimistic, but it's it's charts looking kind of gnarly now, <laughs> which uh, the last time Fetch did this, it pulled back one whole fib. Um, you know, like this is back last uh, February or whatever. Yeah, I was hoping it was pulled through that that resistance there at 80 cents, but it didn't, right? So like, and when you pull up Fetch, it's like you've got to put it on like a weekly chart. It's a really long history. So the thing is, if you put it on the weekly chart, you realize if a pullback does happen, you're talking about a pullback that takes like six months. Like these are not short-term yeah. moves. And then the upward move again would take another six months. So like if you're wrong, let's say you buy fetch here today and you're wrong, it goes down. To even have it go up to the previous level is like a year in the making. <laughs> like it's it's pretty slow. And that thing is like 16% APR or something on the on the validator. So yeah. Oh, if, you're, if, you're, in, yeah, if you're staking or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, you're you're kind of... you're making a you're becoming a very long term holder if you buy here and it doesn't go up. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, you end up staking the shit. Yeah, you wind up becoming yeah a permanent holder if you're if you're because I knew from the beginning. Okay, I'm in it for the um, you know, for the like just speculative whatever, and I was fine with getting rid of it when the time came. Um, oh, by the way, um. Zeph is cheap right now. It's like fourteen seventy or something. I'm trying to see if the so the reserve ratio moving average is still eight hundred sixteen percent. It's almost there. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Zeph has to get it. to like it has to stay in the like fourteen dollar level for like maybe a day for the moving average price of the Zephyr to go down low enough to where the reserve all right, my yeah, phone call cut me out. Um, 
Yeah, where was I? And I was just saying, like, uh, yeah, the conversion to ZRS 8.60 might be feasible in the next 24 hours. Hey, Sefi, I just want to mention something. Like, I just get the news the Bitcoin becomes the second largest ETF commodity in the US. And surprise, surpassing silver right now. And only thing now is gold up there. Oh, it's become that big already? Yes, it's now the second largest. Where did you see this? And Watcher Guru, I think. Oh. That manipulated manipulation guru. <laughs> Watcher Guru. Market manipulation. Yeah, um, no, they post usually <laughs> useful stuff. Um, so yeah, they just, they just repost news. So that's where they are now. So okay, interesting. Yeah, BTC dropped just now 3% to like 41,453. So it dragged everything down. It's, it's, it's coming from the whales. So know. now I'm debating like, yeah, so it, if it, it's it, possible to convert all my Zephyr to ZRS, do I want to do this? That's the question I'm asking myself. I don't really know for sure. No, no, you don't want to do that. Why not? You want to? Yeah, well, you never know. Its yield is pretty high, apparently, so I don't know. 30% of it or something. Yeah, it's got. So how much you hold in your portfolio, Zephyr? What is the percentage? Percentage of my portfolio? I don't know. Like um, a crypto portfolio only or yeah, I guess that's what you mean. Um, at this point, let's if see. Let's see where it's come to now. Um, so for my trading portfolio, like um, at this moment, it's running like... Uh, mm, I think it's like 20% maybe. So all over the trading portfolio, 20% is Zephyr. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of big amount of... I've got a large amount of Chainlink. I've got a large amount of Zephyr. I have a large amount of Kujira. I still have a large amount of Luna. Um, and a bunch of... Uh, and a lot of other little things. I've got Adam, of course. 20% um, What's that? 20% is a big amount of portfolio. Yeah, it's pretty I big, think. yeah. But that but like I'm in mm. crypto for the high risk, high reward though. Um I'm not here for like you know, like if I want safety, I can get that somewhere else, right? <laughs> so so my chain link position I think so would can... probably be my safest position for high probability growth. Making, you know, a two X or three X there is very, very feasible. Um, so I can put a lot of money in there because the, you know, the probability of that money being fine is really pretty good. Um, Zephyr, yes. I put less money in, but at the same time, its market cap is low enough and the project is interesting enough to do like very large multiples. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take an outsized bet on this thing. So yeah, it's a bit of a, the size of that is definitely a bit of a gamble, but you know, I did that on purpose. So you can guarantee that the link token and the chain link blockchain is not the same thing. So something chain, happened. Chainlink like, doesn't, you know, have, a, cost, chain link does not have a blockchain. It's Bikram. There's yeah. no, there's right. no blockchain. <laughs> what, what, what were you saying about it? Sorry? No, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, no, I feel comfortable with the, the risk of what it's chain link blockchain is. Right, right. Yeah. It's a blockchain oracle. 
It's a yeah. It's a what? I can't hear you. Blockchain oracle. I I, I didn't hear that. Oracle. Yes. Yeah, I'm aware of that. But yeah, what's the yes. point? So you know, so so do you think that link token is essential? Like you know, the, the like Cosmos, you can see the atom. Atom is not a necessary token for this ecosystem, but link is the essential token for this for that ecosystem um, so you sort of it's it's, it's essential for the new ecosystem that's being built now it didn't used to be essential for anything um but the point is like i'm not investing in Chainlink because the coin is uh essential or not it's that because it's a straightforward token model and it's not something that's going to go to zero due to some technical risk like a Luna, like yes. it's not, it's it's not going to be a Luna thing. type event or something like that. It's not going to be like, you know, it doesn't have like a lot of technical risk at this point. So does it have financial risk? Sure. Like the price could go down, of course, but I don't have to have a lot of technical risk there. And at the price that it's at now, it's not at an extraordinarily high overvalued price risk either. So I feel fairly comfortable with it and adding to it at these levels, no problem. It's kind of my thinking. Um, so yes. I can put a lot more, I can put a lot more into it because I feel it has like some store of value function. Mm, and the other thing is too, is thing. like, if I have to wait a year for it to go up in value, I can wait a year. No problem. Right. If like, it'd be different if I needed the money, like in three months and I'm gambling or whatever. Right. But that's not the case here. Yes. Uh, my prediction is the U S regulations is going to benefit this real world tokenization theories and you can see some some good amount of liquidity in chain link after that regulations come out yeah i think so link is already yeah there's plenty of bullish catalysts for chain link for sure um a lot of things that could go well for it that could help uh very yeah. few things C and very few out. things and even more important very few things for chain link as far as news that could happen that would be very bad I suppose if something happened to Sergey, that would be bad for the price of the coin. Um, but it would also, no, not to say that I want something bad to happen to him, but it would also be a very good buying opportunity if that happened too. Same way that like Apple was a good buying opportunity when Steve Jobs, something happened to him. But as long as, you're, as, long as people are aware of those kinds of thoughts, those type of risks, um, sometimes people think a risk is only like financial risk or like, technical risk or fundamentals risks or something like that but there's all sorts of other risks too in terms of price action and that's a uh, it's a good way to think about this stuff anyway mm. yes absolutely so you so, so I, I just want to say like the awesome the cosmos mm -hmm. awesome awesome you can see this you bring this topic like ebm Wasm is a better and something like Phantom is building their Phantom virtual machines. That is also good. And so you can see there is a no utility token for this Wasm or this Cosmos ecosystems. There is no one singular token. Yeah, the complaint, but the complaint similar... people make out in Cosmos is, is that Cosmos IBC, which is the inner blockchain communication standard, does not bring value back to the Cosmos token. Whereas with Chainlink's new token, this is not the case. Yes. It actually brings value back to the CCIP. To, I mean, it ultimately brings back value to the link holder. And that's Adam's primary yes. pe people's complaint, which is why, like, um, a lot of people with their Adam, they've moved to, like, like, a lot of Adam, you know, has moved to, like, 
Kujira or has moved to Injective or whatever, people are gambling other stuff because it's like people have waited long enough and they're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Create something with some value for the coin. And even the founders can't agree upon what the purpose of Adam is. Like Jay Kwan's like, oh, it's just security for the hub and we need the hub to be secure, blah, blah, blah. But what he hasn't answered is why would people want to invest in the hub? It's basically becomes a donation at that point because if it has inflation and it doesn't have a value accrual mechanism, you're assuming that people are going to just hold Atom for donation purposes. But what's happening actually is if you look at the app chains like Injective, you look at Kajira and everything else, you're now able to get those coins on centralized exchanges and other places without having to get Atom first. So it's not even an intermediary coin or something like um so yeah, it's like Adam has to have a value accrual mechanism and it has um, some new things happening like side chains or whatever, you know, um, that, that will bring some cash value back to the validators. I don't know how much it brings back to the Adam token holder. I think it mostly brings it back to the validators who validate those side chains. Yes. So these are the issues with Adam. And so this is why like, you know, it's not really clear that it's worth putting a lot more extra money into Adam. On the other hand, it's one of those coins that's not going to zero. So if it dumps a lot, you could basically like, you know, if, if you get a good enough dip, you can always get some and ride it if you want to. But yes, I I I also predicted this. This atom can be atom the project, like the validator things, and they are overpowered. You know, they're running these things. You know, they give you keep so much power to the validator and. There is a risk, which you can see. You told me that it's the Elon Musk and the other, like Steve Jobs. Yeah. Similarly, like this one singular entity become more powerful, like the validators. Validators yeah. are going. Validators become powerful. Chainlink that is can be. Chainlink is negative because, like, it has only like I think five people on the multisig, which controls the link token. So that's a danger. But at the same time, there's not like a risk from the perspective of. Uh, like the Chainlink Oracle network is lots and lots of networks. I think it's like thousand different networks or something. So it's not like a blockchain. And each of those individual networks runs independently to perform the services. So the Chainlink token is not like what makes the thing run, but they're increasing value for the token within that gigantic ecosystem of nodal infrastructure. So before there wasn't a actual benefit to having Chainlink tokens for anybody and now there appears to be so it's 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 changed a little bit that's what adam needs to do as well it's like you know one is what's the business development why are people going to incorporate ibc um i think there's a little bit more chance for ibc to be incorporated with outside of cosmos because cosmos got bigger um injective and kujira and say network and celestia a lot of cosmos chains have emerged that weren't there before so that's one reason why other blockchains might want to incorporate ibc um, even like Matic is a, technically a Cosmos chain, so it could easily incorporate IBC, for example. So there's reasons why you yeah. might see IBC implemented. But what's not clear is even if IBC gets implemented, how does this benefit Atom? Like someone would have to make their way from Matic to here to there to Osmosis and buy Atom. And then why are they buying the Atom? They don't have any clue. So there's not any pumpamentals there because there's no layer one drama. There's no NFTs. There's no this, that. So like there's no like... There's no narrative to drive it, which is where what Adam's problem is right now. So I don't yes, know. That, that is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a full of full full decentralized. You know, Atom is fully decentralized. <laughs> exactly. I think and that's, <laughs> exactly. That's why also, by the way, because it is reasonably decentralized, you you can use it as a store of value if you stake it. 
So that's the plus side, I would say. Um, and the negative side, you can see the lots of airdrops, like fake airdrops, fake projects, scam, bullshits, other things. And that's a negative thing also when like team and the, like if anybody from the team like Vitalik or someone like highly skillful developers, they will not prefer like, like this type of working atmosphere for building where you have to go to validator, hey, pass my projects or something like that. They don't, do not pay for these things. Well, now it's really, really easy to develop a Cosmos chain. It's relatively inexpensive. So I think like the barrier to entry is pretty low now. The biggest thing for Cosmos is it needed more liquidity. And with this bull market, at least we're getting more liquidity overall. But I keep saying this again and again. It's like if Adam pumps and moons, then you'll see everything sort of moon. Because like that, you know, Adam users who feel rich will use their yield or whatever to go and like buy other shit but um yeah you're right like you know attracting builders when you have so many chains is becoming harder and harder but ethereum has the same problem though here's the thing if you're a new builder would you rather start a brand new chain with your own thesis with your own infrastructure and you can price the coin however you like it and you can make the money from the prime going up or would you rather like you know uh you know, pay tons and tons of gas fees to Ethereum or whoever to do the same thing. So it's a trade-off. On the one hand, you have like Injective that did really well. Why did it do so? Because it started out fresh, right? On the other hand, if you had started that same chain on Ethereum, would it have done just as well, but gotten more liquidity? Maybe, maybe. It depends. Yes. Um, so it's, it's hard to know. And I, I observe this thing, you know, the, the mostly the successful blockchain is kind of centralized in nature, you know. Decentralized projects do not get the, that much of success. What centralized, kind of centralized nature. Yes, because you need business right? development. Someone has to build the damn thing and be the voice of the project too. Because if there's nobody talking about the project from the company or whoever, then who's going to show the thing? <laughs> so that's the problem too. Yes. Yeah, decentralization Absolutely. is a meme. What people really want is not decentralization. They want the number to go up. From an investor's perspective, that's what most people want. That's why, like, some people like the meme coins. Yes. They're like, you know, screw all this bullshit. Like, we know it's not decentralized. We know it's not this. We know it's not that. But it's pure. It's at least it's a pure. It is what it is. The whole point of it is to have yes. number go up, and that's it. And all this other you BS you have to learn is unnecessary. Luna Classic? Similar, <laughs> similar example, the Luna Classic. What happened to the Luna Classic? Yeah. It's a full of... It's a it's it's a totally decentralized. You know, you can see there is a community. You say well, all these things they are saying something. They have to like burn and all the other things. And it's an actual de definition of decentralizations. But it is a terrible. You know, you know it's a full of toxicity, full of politics and development. Is there is no development because of that. And this is the actual yeah, definition. The so-called so community chains, um, where like no major idea is ever executed only small ideas uh, typically <laughs> so and like big developers don't want to come to those chains because they don't feel like there's a uh, a good infrastructure maintenance system and like all that stuff so yeah it's it's a, it's a complicated problem yeah centralization versus decentralization that's why like to me like chainlink became more and more interesting um over time it's like i had it last bull run i sold literally the top of it last last bull run just by luck and um and this time though i'm thinking to myself okay look 
you need to have people talking about your project. They have gigantic conferences. They have a huge number of builders. They're all going to talk about the project. You have Chainlink, the company, their, their Twitter handle is going to talk about the project. Um, is it decentralized? Is it fully decentralized? Like, realistically, is anything really that decentralized? No. So who gives a shit? You know, the question is from an investor thesis. Is it reasonably safe? Yeah, probably. Are they doing amazing things? Yes. Are they building a lot of business, business development stuff? Yes. Are they going to dump yeah, on the yeah. are they going to dump on the coin holders by like distributing link tokens to stakers? Yes, but at the same time like at least that is going to something measurable, you know, new new networks and new things getting built as opposed to like, you know, just inflating away and paying too much money to validators doesn't necessarily give you a lot of benefits either. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like I don't know, to me it's like when you take everything combined, it's like um they have the tech, they have so and really like they're building something that like makes some portions of existing blockchain somewhat obsolete, which is interesting as well, right? Because if you have the CCIP thing, like you don't need bridges anymore. You don't need separate companies managing those bridges. And bridges weren't that great anyway, because they didn't have oracles in them. And so this is like an oracle based bridging solution, which is really, really useful. Um Sergey Navrov talks about this like pretty much at length, but I've come to realize, wait a minute, like one of the most important features really in crypto, and I've known this for like last four, four years or so, one of the most important things is the Oracle network to make all this shit work together. And if you can make that integral and you don't have to have these like weird secondary solutions, then it's like a core function of that network. But then how do you pay for that thing? Because Oracle, Oracle networks are expensive. And how do you get those to be reasonably cheap enough is you have to do them at scale. And then you have to like, yeah, so all of that stuff has been kind of worked out and like with GMX incorporating it and a few other things, it's like it's looking really, really bullish. And everybody that uses Chainlink, besides the fact that it's expensive to run, most of those organizations that use it say, okay, well, it's expensive, but we get the value out of this thing. Like yes. the, It's like an unparalleled Definitely. user experience and security experience that like you just can't beat it. So then it's like, all right, fine. They have a premium product, people are willing to pay premium money and only maybe the premium protocols incorporate this thing. But at the same time, it's like, if you don't have this, you're just going to be an inferior DeFi product at that point. And, and they're pretty much, the other interesting thing too, is they're a monopoly for the most part. Like uh, if you add Oracle's plus cross-chain protocol, like there's not too many people that are doing that at scale at the level that Chainlink is and have done it so long for, since like 2014 or something, right? They've been building this forever. Um, so he's one of the earliest people in the blockchain space. So they've been doing this a long, long time. They understand all the needs of the ecosystem. And on top of all that, we know they're not scammers. Like, like if there were scammers, we'd know by now. Right. And on top yes. of all that, the SEC seems to not bother with them for some reason, even though they have a security token. I don't know why they don't, they never list link as a, a problem for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, so yeah, all these different interesting things come together. I'm like, ah, like. If I'm going to put a lot of money to something, like, and I need to sort of have something reasonably safe, I could do that in Bitcoin. I could do, you could even do like, if you want to gamble, you can do a Bitcoin like leveraged trade of some kind of futures or something. But to me, it's like, I don't like to do all that. I don't like to leverage and whatever. So I'm like, all right, like, what's a good balance point between growth, safety, probably not going to zero, is fairly priced still in this market, right? Because we're, we're at 2020 prices for Chainlink right now. It's fine. It's not too pumped yet, right? Yes. And plenty of room to go. 
Yes, I just want to say something like we talk always like decentralization, decentralization all the time, but we always forget that thing. Like how we gonna establish a decentralized structure when people, mostly people, like 99% came this crypto industry because they want to pump their back 10x, like six months. And like 99% came here for the for some moon guy, moon boy, and every type of peoples. So there is no possibility of establishing a decentralized entity when the people have the power and the people just want to shield their bag and want to 10x and 100x. So, so that's a mess, totally messed. And you need a centralized entity. And this is why decentralization is not going to successful until the until the community get educated about the blockchain technology. Do you think this is a central? I agree with you. The central yeah, projects, and I think parts of it have to be um, decentralized. Parts of it centralized, and then probably you become more decentralized over time. A perfect example of this one is Kujira, right? Like with Kujira, what's happening is is there's a team, and they have like a purely permission of blockchain, similar to Osmosis, and um, this the, even the code is closed source, so people can't just copy their code and everything. And later, might they decentralize that and release the code and whatever, and um, you know, make it so that the chain can run without them? Maybe, but for now, it's not a. The validator network is decentralized, but the 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 team is very centralized, and the control of who can release a project on Kujira is very centralized. So it's not it's a permissioned um, blockchain. So that's an example of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Injective was also kind of same, and Injective is also right. You know, they are performing, they are doing this fix, fix this some kind of balance between the centralizations and decentralizations. This is why they are developing very fast, and this 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 type of nature is essential for the success in the blockchain. You know. Yeah, and you know that like they must be doing something right because one, it's reflected in price action that sometimes is one reason that you can believe it the other reason you can believe there is like who is going to deploy on those chains like delphi has astroport and they're deploying on neutron they're deploying on um you know injective so where, where the developers prioritize they'll usually prioritize with teams that they feel like they can work with easily and who provide them with good technical support and whatever right so Usually, if there's a lot of projects coming to a particular chain, that's a good sign that uh, that things are going to go well. Um, so it's it's hard to say though. The thing is partly too. The, one of the reasons why, by the way, I didn't necessarily go crazy buying like a lot more injective or something like that. Why I did Chainlink instead? Is because like I'm concerned if if I have to be a bag holder on a very large investment. And I have to hold that bag for the next three, four, five years, right? What would I rather hold? Would I rather hold an L1 priced where the L1s are priced right now? Or would I rather hold something like Chainlink where I don't have to worry that they're going to be made obsolete? Because the next season, you know how this works, right? The next season, there'll be a bunch of new layer ones. And those are going to pump, right? Like the ones that are here now. People are going to get bored of them or whatever. Who knows if they're going to go up again, right? Because they're they're going they're popular now because why? Because they're going up, and you have the price meme effect. Next season is injective going to be popular again? I don't know. Maybe it won't. 
right? Because there, there could be 10 more layer ones by then. Um, hell, even the same team could just simply print another layer one and not even like bat an eye and then just pump it, right? Like, like it's funny how like easy it is to fork Cosmos chains and just make brand new ones. So it's like, you know, it's very hard to tell if the, the you know, if these things will persist over time. So how much does it take for the hard fork? You know, for the hard fork, how much time does it take? You know, easy, like one hour. hours. So yes, you I, can, I, can I, I, I can chain, like, like immediately, like it doesn't take anything. And I also got a trapped on into some project like the Odin Odin protocol, and I think they are scamming. And I just invested something on their projects, and they're taking three days for the hard fork. And in I'm just fact, in fact, you know how easy it is to fork something. You can now yes. copy a chain and simply deploy it as a side chain on uh, Cosmos Hub. And you can have that shit up and running within some matter of hours. <laughs> so, so the, yeah, there's not a lot of barrier entry for infinite numbers of new L1s. The only thing that's a barrier is liquidity. So someone has to provide liquidity. And the second thing is who pays for validators. But in this case, uh -huh. the, parent, the Cosmos side chains, you don't even have to pay much for validators because you only pay fees. You don't have to pay like for the whole validation, validation set and the whole security set. So my concern going for the next several years of L1s is, okay, I'm fine with like owning a Kujira and riding the pump or whatever, but you know, how many new competitors are all these guys going to have in three years, four years, if you're like a long-term investor? I don't know, right? So like, do you really want to ride that question mark to the top and then ride it all the way back to the bottom again? Or are you going to sell the top or sell somewhere and then, you know what? Like you have to decide. So, uh, so validator have to online like seventy percent validator get offline like forty or fifty percent. So that is possibility of you know holding this you know to, to, to hold this hard fork nature. How much how much percentage need for the validator online for this hard fork procedure? Mm, no, well, no, well, proof of stake networks usually halt. They won't fork. Proof of work networks will halt if you have a problem. And I'm sorry, they will. Uh, proof of work networks will actually fork if there's a problem, which is a different when the two different validators are running two different programs essentially, or two versions of the blockchain. That's not usually the case in proof of stake. It doesn't have like uh, fork. I'm, what I mean by fork is you just copy the blockchain and make a new one. That's you know you can hard fork it that way. Does that make sense? Like I'm not saying forking is in a bad way i'm just saying you could just copy a blockchain and make a new one like very easily now anyway muhammad mm -hmm. um, point question something yeah when you guys were talking about luna and luna classic so yeah i while i was uh, asking you a question about the polka dot so someone basically messaged me a dm so he was like oh you are supporting lung but you are <laughs> right now you are into polka dart so i was asking you about uh lung so what you see like uh uh is there any chances for revival or what you think lunk um first of all i didn't buy any lunk tokens because like um bruce did he bought the very very bottom when the chain crashed and he's like let's just run this turbo I'm like all right so he went and bought a bunch and did really well and then he had a validator on there so he knows all about it but like 
there's nothing special happening on the chain. Um, it has a lot of baggage. It has a lot of bag holders and whatever. It could go up in price for sure. Like who knows? Anything can go up. But they haven't created a system to pay the validators exactly. I guess eventually, when the validators have no, there's no inflation rewards left, they'll have to change the tokenomics, or maybe the validators decide to do it voluntarily or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, it, it may do fine. I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, it's hard to kill a blockchain once it's running. Like like all the validators would have to quit, and everybody in the ecosystem would have to quit. It's these things just don't happen. It'll probably just keep on running. Um, will it actually catch much money? That's a different question. That's probably what you're asking. Is like, are people going to come pay for this thing? And the answer is probably no. Because think about this. Mm, like, if I was going to go join, you know, like, go get into a blockchain now, why wouldn't I just go for a lower market cap like Zephyr, for example, and then buy that? So you neither have the benefit of being a fresh chain without any kind of price resistance. But on top of that, like there's chains that are better than you already, like Kujira and Injective blow away anything on Luna Classic, right? So like, why would anyone you know, even show up there necessarily? And without tons of new projects, tons of new developers coming to build things there, like NFT projects or whatever. Um, you know, there's just like the community ends up becoming smaller and smaller. And, you know, unless you have like, you feel like the Luna Classic community has a gigantic group of shillers and they're amazing and they're going to pump this thing to the moon and they're going to bring tons of developers. Okay, fine, whatever. But I don't know. Um, as long as the price of the coin goes up, more people, people show up and build dApps there because they want to, they want to put some Ponzi scheme and take some, take some money from the users. Right. Yes, for the for the for the shilling part, you you are right because you know nobody going to shill for free. And second, well, if you bring any developers, who is going to pay the fees? You know, who is going to pay the salary? That's the real yep. issue. Yep. You, the reason why new coins go up is because mm, when you buy the coin at like you know sub one hundred million market cap, and it has the potential to go to a billion market cap or three billion market cap. All the users are shillers. Like, that's how this works. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even Zephyr, like, let's say someone that comes in at, you know, let's say it's 10 billion market cap and someone buys it at that level. Number one, their shilling is not going to make any difference. Like, you're going to educate six people out of what, you know, 60,000 people or whatever the number is, right? So your voice is a very, like, minor effect. And the second thing is, even if you spent the whole day and night doing this, making YouTube videos, whatever it is you're going to do, spend on Twitter spaces, the effect on your bag is too small to really make it like make sense. So then someone has to pay you to do the work. Um, who's going to pay you? Like, so that like Cosmos Hub, for example, I think CryptoCito is paid through some grant to do the, the, some videos about this ecosystem on YouTube. And he's also paid to do like uh, some of the Cosmoverse like events, like the, the, so he's done a great job doing all of that. Like, it's, it's awesome. But like you have to find someone good that you can pay to do all this shit. No one wants to do that stuff for free, especially if their bag is not going up. Right. So if you'll notice, like a lot of Bitcoin people, um, I don't know, Willie Wu and like uh, whoever else. Um, what's that guy's name? I'm forgetting everyone's names now. <laughs> like, um, But anyway, a lot of people like to talk about Bitcoin, but they have Bitcoin from way back. Right. They have Bitcoin, you know, they might have thousands of coins or whatever, and they're really, you know, quite wealthy. 
and um, doing ongoing, you know, commentary on Twitter by Andreas Antonopoulos or whoever, because he has a gigantic Bitcoin bag and he wants people not to be distracted by other things and come to buy their coin. Obviously, you're going to have shilling and books and shit. But the thing is, if you have a new Bitcoin buyer today, like, you know, you buy 0.1 BTC, what are you going to do? Like, go do 100 Twitter spaces and like, you know, shill your bag? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So smaller projects have that advantage. And if you ask me the question, like, like if I'm going to pick older projects that have been around um, and I'm going to like get involved with them and put a lot of money in them, it's going to be because they're going to, I have a really strong belief for some reason that they're going to go up. Otherwise I can't put that much money in them because like, why would I leave my money sitting there and not going up? It doesn't make sense. The opportunity cost is high. Right. So that's kind of the thing. Like that's why like, Right now, I have my portfolio in like a large part would be things that are not going to necessarily go up a lot, but are pretty safe, you know, an Atom or a Chainlink or whatever. And then I have a whole bunch of stuff in little amounts. Um, and then a, a couple of little bigger size bags like Kajira and uh, Zephyr only because they're interesting. And again, they have more upside potential. That's kind of my thesis. I'm not, I'm not following too many coins right now, honestly, like a lot of little ones that I have little bits, but I'm not too worried about them. Um, so yeah, the key thing you should be mostly in is probably the thing that either you want the greatest risk and the greatest reward, so high upside, or you want the greatest safety or some medium ground in between those two. So I think like um, Chainlink is a medium ground coin. It's not one that's like, it's not going to 100x or some shit, but it's also probably not going to zero. And I can sleep easy at night that no matter how low it goes, it's going to go up eventually. Right, that's the thing. So that in that kind of coin, you can put a lot of money. Um, like BTC, for example, like if it goes down, you can just get more, right? You're probably not going to zero. That kind of thing. Um, so the store of value function of that coin, how good of a store of value is it, is something to ask yourself. And I do this for stocks too. It's like, you know, you, some of the stocks I get for like growth, some of them I get for dividends. Some of them I get because I think that they're undervalued or whatever but mostly because they're they can i can store my money there and just not, not look at it every day right that's what i mean by store of value you can do that with a bar of gold of course but you can also do that with certain stocks and things too like your ibm stock is probably not going to zero like there's no good evidence for that like your apple stock probably not going to zero um it may not perform as well as you might like but it's probably not going to zero either probably you know odds are low so you can put larger one, amounts. One of money. thing to throw in here, um, Litecoin actually has held up quite nicely during that bump dump today of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I think it's like it's kind of hit its lows pretty close. Mm, yeah. Looks well, good. At the same time, if it runs and something like Chainlink takes a dip, it's an easy one to cycle into. Like cycle out of. You say, okay, this one's in the green, I'll sell some of it, I get some of that. No problem. You don't have to wait for any perfect sell if you don't want to. Jesus Christ, I got this like gigantic pile of emails all of a sudden. I'm not sure where they came from. Hmm. Delete a bunch of junk here. Holy crap. <laughs> got a shit ton of calendar invites. Those things are annoying, man. They'll send all of them out at one time. Bunch of spam. <sighs> App Store review. Okay. Anyway, Muhammad, you're gonna say something. By the way, if you, yeah, I was like, uh, so BTC was like dumping is is like a crazy. So 
So the AS uh, predicted yesterday, we talked about yesterday, so grayscale transfer like BTC to the Coinbase and all of a sudden it goes like uh, to down, man. Correlation, unknown causation, right? You don't know that it's, it's grayscale causing that to happen. <laughs> like, BTC has already run up a lot for the last year. So it's to me, it's like due for a correction either way. Whether it's this FUD or some other FUD or whatever it is. Um, it's reasonable for it to pull back, I think. And it's really only at 41.2. That's like, what, last week's price or something? It's not It's not that much. Because it only so pumps 47 yeah, very quickly. It's, it's probably going down and uh, filling your bag, man. So you, you talked about yesterday, you know? So, yeah, be ready for that. <laughs> no, I mean, it could, it could go down to the cost of mine. When you say dump, I mean, like, a dump for BTC would be like if it goes down below like twenty five thousand or something. That's my 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 definition of a dump. <laughs> what you're talking about is just normal normal price action on the day daily. This is normal. Like twenty percent moves here and there are just common here with BTC. So apparently we cannot see any reason behind that. So I'm not sure why this is happening. So in crypto, I would stop trying to look for reasons. It's going to make you a bad trader. There the is, cause is irrelevant. There Remember is that. Why? <laughs> yeah, memorize that. The cause and causality is irrelevant to everything you care about around here. If you pay attention to cause, you're going to lose money almost surely. Almost certainly. <laughs> like, I'm just like, the, the, the cause of things is, seems like a good thing, like in normal life. But in this space, the problem, the cause is just complete chance or just sort of random movement or who knows what or. Whatever, because the reality is you don't know what Grayscale is doing with its Bitcoin. Maybe it's selling it. Maybe it's not. Maybe the price sell-off is because of narrative. Maybe people are selling because they think Grayscale is selling it. Maybe they're not selling shit. And maybe they're, maybe they're buying um, you know, BTC from you while you're selling it, or who knows what. So these stories just come out. People just make them up, like on Twitter and whatever. So, and in your head, you start making up a story for yourself. You hear a few things. The damn universe is 13 billion years old, you know, and tomorrow someone's telling you, ah, I told you so, Bitcoin is going up, right? <laughs> it's like, of course you knew, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, there are some examples where a very, very specific event, you know, was followed by a very, very a major price move. So like the statistical significance of the move coupled with the timing is like, you could probably create a, like the COVID events, or Chinese miners getting kicked out of China. These are examples of like things that materially affect the actual chain. Havening, for example, affects the chain. Um, you know, like maybe Fed interest rates dramatically changing affect liquidity flowing into the space. So there are some events that, yeah, you could you could tie correlation to, but you could say to yourself, for every single thing that I'm going to tie correlation to, you could probably give it a score of a hundred zero to a hundred. How correlated is this really, right? Like it's the, uh, you know, what is the row coefficient for this thing as far as like correlation? And all you can do is like make claims of correlation. The problem is, even if you did, who cares? How, how are you going to predict how much it's going to impact the market? How do you know? You don't. So the problem is, if you'll start coming up with a story in your head, you're like, oh, I think this thing with grayscale is going to take BTC to 30K. Okay, like, are you sure? It's going to go to 30K. You're going to go sell a bunch of stock in preparation for this 30K move. 
like, what are you going to do? Right. So the thing is like your narrative in your head leads to actions. The problem is, is that those narratives, that's why when, when people say do your own research, I think it's a joke. Like you're not going to research shit. Number one, you're not going to know anything about what grayscale is going to do or not do. And there is no do your own research. The only research you need to know in crypto is shit goes up and down a lot. And you have to be prepared for that. <laughs> That's the only, in my view, like mega research. And then periodically, like the, uh, it does help to have some alpha, like, okay, um, you know enough about a coin or project that you're like, oh, everyone and their mother's going to buy this thing for some reason. And so therefore that's a reason I might want to own the the potential coin or, you know, um, you've done some research and you're like, Ooh, the initial coin offering for this one's a really good fair launch. So I think I might be involved with this one or something like that. That's why like with Zephyr, I got involved kind of early. I was like, this is reasonably fair launch. The parameters of token distributions are fairly understood. Um, and the mining distribution is kind of, you know, somewhat understood. And I'm like, all right, fine. You're like, you know, go for it. But the reality is like, you, even if you know all of that about Zephyr, for example, you can make up stories in your head all day about why the price went down, why it didn't go down further, why it went down as much as it did, and like when it's going to go up again and all this stuff. You don't know any of that stuff. It's like just pure speculation. This is why like on charts and things, I don't really mess with moving averages and all that too much anymore. I don't try to use them to predict like breakouts and stuff like Ichimoku clouds and sitting around with Bollinger Bands and going, oh, it's at the top end of the Bollinger Band. I'm going to sell now. Because the problem is like things can be in the top end of the Bollinger Band a lot longer than you think. Things can be a, like high RSI above 70 for months, right? And they can just keep pumping. Um, you could have the RSI, in fact, going down, like diverging downward, and the price still pumps even higher. And so if you were to use these things, you're going to be inaccurate anyway. So if you're going to be inaccurate anyway, why use them at all? Right. Like, what's the point? Yeah, it's like chart astrology, right? <laughs> yeah, because if you, if you can't call the bottom and you can't call the top, then what the fuck do you need the chart for? Then exactly. You only need it to manage expectations. And that's what I think the fibs do. Like they manage expectations. And I know that other people are using them. So they manages other people's expectations to feedback loop. So it's a good trading instrument for that reason. That reason alone it doesn't matter if it predicts when something happens. But you'll notice like when I chart things, I'm not really putting anything time based on there. I'm not putting like drawings of lines going, oh, it's going to go this way and then it's going to go that way. It's going to hit this resistance, then it's going to drop down again. These theoretical things are just nonsense. Like there's no way for you to know these things for sure. And um, so like, and then time-based, you can use things like FIB time intervals and stuff to look at like, okay, how long did this swing, uh, this swing high take? And therefore, how long is this cycle going to take? But I don't need a fib lines to show me that. I know that if something pumps really fast, right, it's going to retrace more, and it's going to take a long time uh, to consolidate. And that consolidation time is longer the bigger the market cap is. That's it. That's all I have to know. I don't need to know like a bunch of shit about, you know, they have fib time intervals and like people draw like swirly fib things that give you like time. So fib time is like this idea that human beings behave you know, in a way that like they forget about shit, you know, after a period of about a month or two. And therefore, like, you know, like price action tends to hit not only FIB levels in terms of price levels, but in terms of time intervals. And you have all that stuff in trading view. You can use that stuff. The problem is um, they're not accurate enough to be used in any consistent way. So then it's like you in your head, you're planning for certain numbers over a certain time period. 
And if it doesn't play out that way, you know, you can claim, oh, yeah, the chart's invalidated now. But what was the whole point? If it can be invalidated in the first place, then it's useless generally. Right. And this is the reason why most people lose money trading on leverage or they, whatever. Uh, they give you, gives you a hope, man. So, yeah. So people follow that. Yeah. The chart will give you some hopium for sure. Um, and I have to admit, I post charts with fib extensions because I like posting hopium. Because I know that price is a meme and people imagine in their head where the price can go. And then they are like, okay, I'm going to hold this thing till Zephyr is a thousand or whatever. You know, like, you're like, oh, I see some lines on there. It's 1400. Oh, look, compared to Casper's chart, look, it went to $3 billion. Maybe this will too. So yeah, hopium is what we're selling, right? Like truly, right? Like that's the whole point of crypto to some extent is if the whole, if like 90% of people are here for a number to go up and if you don't have like, some projections of why numbers going up why why post anything at all like why even be on twitter about it you know like just buy your thing and just hold it <laughs> like, you know there's not like it's not interesting so i yeah, think a lot of people are here for the sport like yeah, we're here my, my point of view yeah my point of view is that like uh to some extent you have to like uh, uh use your brain but to some extent you have to use these uh like uh charts too so for sure, for for like uh, short-term traders, basically the Bollinger, like uh, uh, this, uh, uh, you can say chart is very useful, you know. But for for long-term, like somewhat, term, yeah. but look what look what happens if you do Bollinger bands on the four-hour chart, the daily chart, the weekly, and the monthly. It's all over the place. So the the problem is, is like which one are you going to use? You're going to use the daily one, you know, or are you going to use the the four-hour? How are you going to know when the bottom is? Because if, if your goal is to buy, buy the lowest price you possibly can and sell at the top, are you going to use a shorter time frame to sell the top? Or are you going to use a longer time frame to buy the bottom? Like, what are you doing exactly? This is the problem. These things really, they show you the, what happened in the past. They don't really predict the future. Um, you know, you could, some people will use it to like manage expectations. Like, okay, the top of the Bollinger is at, such price and therefore i think um price will continue in that direction for some reason and so therefore it goes in this direction it's going to hit the top of that band i'm going to sell here or something you can do these things um they're all right like they're all about the same honestly i don't find that there's like one that's dramatically better than the other in terms of predictions and shit like you have like um bullish and bearish divergences on rsi you have moving average crosses um, you have moving average crosses on short time frames and long time frames. Uh, so that gives you like general trends versus very short term. Um, some of that stuff, though, I feel like I can already see it. If you just see the price, like you're like, oh, OK, I can see the <laughs> I can see the momentum here. If it's going, been going up for the past three months, well, the momentum's pretty good. Right. So it's not it doesn't take like a rocket scientist. The, the, the lines help you visualize quicker, maybe. But eventually, after you've looked at those things a long, long time. What happens is you get used to looking at the price action. You don't even have to see anything. You're like, oh, that looks like a pretty good retracement on the log, log scale. Um, you know, but where I found that drawing fibs on every chart helps, it helps you look at relative performance of one coin versus the other and say to yourself, there's a tendency in crypto to like ride the momentum. And if something is performing some outperforming something else very early, it could mean that it's going to continue outperforming for whatever reason it did the first time that's not 100 percent guaranteed but like um there's a modest chance of that and so you might want to have some exposure to that thing that's outperforming right 
Um, on the other hand, it outperformance could be a bad thing. It could be that like that's already had its run and now you're jumping into some shit that's already gone up too much and it's going to go down. Um, this is what makes me a little bit nervous about the AI coins. Like, you know, AI was kind of the popular thing to talk about last year. It'll it'll have some narrative this year, but is it going to have that much of a hardcore narrative? I don't see anybody doing that. Like, I don't see anybody today on Twitter going, ooh, I'm buying all of the AI coins for the bull run. I don't see that conversation anymore. So people pump that narrative, and that was created, like, by people, right? Um, people that, like, you know, Crypto Wizard and a few others that have this, like, um, like you know, they have a reach and some Twitter followers, or whatever. And they're like, okay, I'm going to create the narrative of this, and we're going to all buy this coin, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And I don't know if that can sustain. There's a finite number of sort of like AI coin buyers at some point. I don't know where that top is. So if I look at like, for example, Fetch today, and it's almost back to all time high, that's one type of risk. Whereas Chainlink, it's like not even one third of the way up. It's all time high. It's like, ah, oh, that's an easy one to buy, right? Like, I don't have to worry about that one. If it dips a bit, whatever, so what? It's going to go back up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, be thinking about these things a little bit as far as how you decide. But yeah, like there's a reasons why like I have certain coins that I buy more of than others for sure. And my reasons may be terrible, by the way. Like um, there's plenty of things that I won't own that are going to run way more than the stuff I own and it's going to be embarrassing. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always the, that always happens, right? Like just, you have to be pretty lucky to get the one thing. Like, I think like where I was the luckiest, probably recent memory was Luna. So like I picked up Luna at like $5 and that shit ran to like one, one twenty or something. Um, pretty good run considering that the market cap I got in, um, was a little bit high already. And, um, you know, it ran really well in that respect. Now it crashed later, but that's a different story. But the point is, um, you know, it didn't mean that we didn't have a good run. <laughs> like, so, um, but yeah, finding stuff that's going to run that much is kind of the holy grail. Um, I think the Caspa people did it. And one of the things that made me interested about Zephyr particularly was that, you know, it marked a bit of a resurgence in the proof of work crowd because Caspa could do it. What other proof of work might do it? Um, and then you add the privacy, the stable coin and a few other features. I'm like, Ooh, this is a good combination narrative. A lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of interesting dynamics, and maybe it can go up. So that's kind of why I got a little bit heavier into it. Is that going to be the right choice? I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. I could be a complete imbecile, and it turns out that it's uh, it's not as good as I thought it would be. Um, maybe the team is not as smart as I think, or maybe the, like, whatever. Maybe it doesn't get as many exchange listings, or maybe for some reason nobody cares, or who knows? Right? I, don't, I don't care. I don't know, right? See the problem? So even being early doesn't guarantee anything, for sure. Um, there's a lot of coins out there that you could quote unquote be early on, like 10,000 plus, 20,000 plus coins, um, you know, that you could be quite, you know, early on, but they might be good. They may not be. Mm, I also kind of like the fact that Zephyr's a fair launch. Um, Kajira was fairly, pretty fairly launched. So I feel like the community doesn't have a lot to FUD. That's a critical thing. Like, because when, when price goes down, people start complaining, like, why is it going down? Why is it doing this? Why is it? And you don't want it to be because of some FUD within the community. Um, so, like, if Kajira's price dumps, like, 80%, no one's going to blame Dead Right Dove at this point. No one's going to blame the Tajira, Kajira team, right? That's the reason why I like it. It's doing well, and it's, like, people in that ecosystem knows that price just goes up and down. And they realize that, like, it could drop a lot and... You know, these are all Terra people. They know the price can drop a lot. And, um, and um, 
you know, everyone knows that the team is doing their best and doing a good job with the project. So I like that, you know. Um, so yeah, like a fair launched project where the token distribution is reasonable um, is something to consider as well. And that's why Caspa became popular because this this I don't know if it's truly fair launched. There's some arguments about how fair it really was and how much pre mine and some other shit happened, <laughs> but like eventually like so that fud kind of happened with caspa for a while but the community did well like they made the you know price go up and everything so but this is the key thing too like if you have a community that's not talking to their friends about the coin well guess what it's not going to go up so like the way it works in crypto is you pretty much have to tell 10 people if every single one in this room has not told 10 people about whatever coin you like it's not going up that's how this works if you expect other people to pump your bags uh it, it's not going up that's like, that's a thing. Um, so yeah, you like quote, being in the quote unquote community is literally like, um, you know, telling friends or whoever that this thing is interesting, um, or telling people on Twitter or, or YouTube channels and things like that. So yeah, it's a, there's a lot of, uh, work that goes into it essentially. But, um, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. So, at the end, what you are saying, like uh, the hopium is, is a thing that you have to focus on. And uh, yeah, a little bit of research is necessary too. And uh, uh, yeah, the other, the rest of the thing is that the hope is, is the best thing So to follow you. Yeah, and, and pure hopium, which is like just, you know, like meme coins is one type of hopium. Um, when you have some fundamentals and some hopium, that's even better. Um, so like, yeah, happy community that is picking up dips. And, um, like, I think I read something that like at this current price right now, 90% of any holders of Chainlink right now are in the green, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is interesting, right? Cause that means, so the next pump, it goes up, everyone's going to be telling their friends and their grandmother that, you know, oh, get Chainlink. Cause like, they're all happy. But if you have some weird launch where like the price comes out way too high and everyone gets wrecked, or the early people that really love your project are the ones that actually are the ones that get the worst deal, that's a bad sign, right? You 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 never want to dump on the initial followers. They're the ones that are most likely going to shill your bags or shill the project later. And um, so this fair launch concept is important, I think. Sometimes like they, they'll these coins that don't have VC backing and whatever, it'll take a lot more time for them to pick up action. But like later, there's not VCs to dump on you either, right? So that's a that's a that's the trade off. So it might take six months or a year to really pick up steam, but afterwards, you no longer have any fud to worry about, and that's really powerful. Um, a fudless ecosystem, so to speak, is is useful now to the extent that that's possible, of course. Anyway, um, any other thoughts? Anyone want to hop up? um and chat feel free like i don't know what you guys are investing in maybe shill your things or whatever i'd like to hear what people are doing um whatever oh, there's ivan Let's see if ivan has anything interesting going on um ivan you there hey Connected? that's good yeah what are you doing lately this week yeah watching every all your bags go to zero yeah bro i mean i'm liquidated of Currently, uh, <laughs> my lease, my my lease got I got evicted. It's all looking too good right now. No, it's it's all just a bad joke. But yeah, no, dude, I it's kind of funny. Uh, like you said, we were just talking about how, ironically enough, I'm just I'm thankful that Coinbase did kind of hold my funds. Um, 
Yeah, you got a better price. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm still literally, I think it's still two days until they settle. Two days, so instead okay. of seven. So yeah, I um, definitely want to buy one of you able to send my wallet some USDT, but I can't do it to buy Coinbase saved you from yourself. Yeah, then. that's good. They actually did a good job this time, which is surprising. <laughs> it's just sometimes it works out like that. Other times you're like waiting and waiting, and the coin pumps. And you're like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, no, but there it goes. Yeah, no, but that fifteen, that kind of fifteen is there. It's it's been it's been cleared. I, I think that I do think though when I look at when I look at BTC right now in general, BTC chart looks like ass cheeks, and I think that it it might. I don't know. I see. I do see BTC correcting a little bit more with this general sell-off that I think will happen in this season. I kind of think it might. I honestly, it looks like it looks kind of like a rollover top. But I would warn you that, like, the thing is, in the past, like when you look at these, some of these turn out to actually play out like they do go down, and other times they just go up anyway, especially in a early bull market. So it's really tough to say. Percent. No, I, I'm. I'm. Chart patterns are chart patterns are brutally like subjective yeah. in terms of like we tend to read in whatever we feel like into them like if we feel like it's going to go down we're like oh yeah that looks like it's going to go down yeah and then if we feel like maybe it'll go up anyway you're really hopium driven you're like oh maybe it's going to defy that this time yeah. and go the other way and it's so it's like you could pretty much read whatever you want into them it's fun 100 <laughs> percent. that's that's totally valid i just think that right now what i what this is what i'm leaning towards and i'm still going to be uh, averaging it and buying but i do see like a retest of on BTC, at least of like the thirty-two to thirty-three thousand dollars range before we go higher. Yeah, I think that's where like the two hundred day moving average and stuff is too. So yeah, it's like not a not a not an unreasonable thing to consider. Yeah, of course. But right now, I, what I, I guess the thing is, is it going to bring like the question is, are we going to sustain alt dominance during that time? Meaning, that's the like thing, BTC right? drops. Yeah, but then alts don't drop nearly as much. Exactly, that's the question. That, that's the question, and that's what happened this last drop, right? And the charts all show like altcoin dominance increasing. Mm -hmm. um, everything's like making gains against BTC, um, or at least it was until like today. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We, do we continue that trend, or is BTC dragging everything down? Um, I think the feeling is like if the general feeling is that hey my ROI on investing in Bitcoin right now is not as good as investing in ETH and alts. That's when you get the, um, that's when you get the altcoin run usually. Yeah. That's that, that, yeah, we'll see like this crypto market that that's the beauty of trading, right? So you never fucking know like what can happen. So yeah. And timing, timing wise, if you look at where charts are, like, even if like, let's say you take um, something like uh, Ethereum or Chainlink as a bellwether for um, DeFi summer, like mm -hmm. like they like De like Chainlink started DeFi summer in 2020, mm -hmm. um, as an example because of the Oracle narrative, and let's say you take these as an, a possibility. So how much time would it take for like ETH to correct, like maybe 20 percent, 30 percent, and go back up to its previous level where it is now? That would be about six months, right? So that yeah. fits with the kind of a DeFi summer kind of idea. So to me, it's like. Either we, we run turbo and we just go straight up all the way through summer or yeah. we retrace and then we come back to where we are now by summer. One of those two things. Yeah. Either way, it's a long ass wait. Yeah, basically. it is. Dude. It's, it's, just, it's, just like, it's just like the timing part. I'm like trying, to, trying, to trying to have like some bags ready because I know that, you know how it is like when, when crypto runs and when all coins run, it's like, it's like, it's pretty apparent that it fucking just like runs and it goes. It's just not being so over leveraged that, you kind of get scared out of your, some positions. I know a lot of people right now are probably getting scared out of positions and I think they'll flush it a little bit more and people might like be over leveraged. They might, you know, 
wanting to sell their shit, but yeah, it's like buying kind of the right the right amounts. Crypto Wizard kind of makes a good point. He's like, all of you people need to stop messing around. You're gonna fumble your bags and lose all your money. And that's pretty much what happens. And this is this year and next year is a time when you just should be allocated and just wait generally. And if if it doesn't happen within six months, it happens in a year, whatever. But it's already been like a year and a half to two year bear market, whatever you want to call that. And like the upside probability simply exceeds the downside from this level uh, for, for the general market, right? So then you have to say, okay, well, if I have to ride some downside, I just have to do so, whatever. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how you have to look at it here, I think. And that's pretty much my mental model for this cycle is just like, I've, I've got most of what I want now. And I may add a few things using income from work, especially if we get some dips. Um, over the next, um, over this coming year, yeah, uh, like you know, uh, you know, am I going to buy stocks versus crypto this coming year? It'll definitely be crypto. Yeah, um, stocks was like you know early last year or whatever. That was kind of like the time. But yeah. now it's like okay, if we get good deep dips, you know, like maybe I'll accumulate like three to four months of income at a time, mm-hmm. and then just like find a place to fire that off every so often right like whenever you see some decent decent yeah. uh, like 30 40 percent correction but you know here's the thing like even link from 17 dollars down to uh what was it like 12 bucks it's already corrected 30 percent. for example this last yeah. this month yeah that's a pretty good correction so far however if you go look at the history of Chainlink, you'll see that it it, it has 30 and 40 percent corrections over and over again it's brutal how many yeah. times Chainlink can dump before it finally takes off. Yeah. That so you never know. You never know. Yeah. I know when I look at, that's the thing. Like when I, Bitcoin chart, when I look at it, like the, it doesn't look the best. But when I look at something like Chainlink, for example, from like a, a chart perspective, it looks like, it looks really, really good. Like you kind of had like that large, that large, like kind of accumulation period for about a year. And then it kind of broke out and then it's kind of a blank. So yeah, no, I, I definitely, what are, just curious, like, are you, I know that Zeph and like Link are some core positions, but is there anything else that you are are buying or looking at buying right now? Um, I've got Kujira. Um, okay. So I'm basically about probably as allocated as I need to be in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I don't think I'm adding too much more. Okay. Uh, I'm running out of money, so I'd have to actually sell some stuff to do it. Like, I'd have to. So my my, I don't know. I think my um, emergency bag is my big stock portfolio I built over the last year and a half, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping stocks don't drop too much. And it seems like they picked up a little bit more today, but I'm hoping they're in the green, and that if for some reason I have to do a big buy in crypto because we have some giga dump, and I can really really like improve my position. Um, that's one of those that like my wife very specifically said, take all my money and buy some stocks with it. And I'm like, okay, fine. I did. So it's technically her money. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask her permission. I'm like, Hey, you want me to sell all this shit? And it's like, there's a really good opportunity over here. And she's going to be like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, she's just like, <laughs> so like, I'm always doing this kind of shit. So like, she'll usually say whatever, or I just won't ask her, but this time I think I'll ask her because it's my, that was her money that I dumped in stocks this time. Yeah. So I was like, "All right, we'll we'll see what she wants to do with it." Yeah, um, bro. I mean, at least the at least the Wendy's is always hiring, so the Wendy's it's all good. <laughs> so you know, it's just it's like worst case scenario. Yeah, the number one value meal. 
Um, I would have said. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right, man. I mean, it's yeah, good talking to you. I've kind of just been kind of watching. I'm, I'm really just waiting right now until my shit clears up and I'll see. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be I'll definitely be buying some some Link and some Zeph. And then I'm holding I'm holding Cubic. And then I'm probably going to be buying some Say as well, SEI. Mm-hmm. I had but, say when it first came out, um, I wrote it to like a two or three X or something. And I sold it and I bought Zeph with it at the time. Um, yeah, I had a few different things like Celestia and say and whatever. And I bought Zeph. I, at the I'm staking tea right now. I'm waiting for the airdrops. So, mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm doing that. No, you'll probably do well with that. Um, I probably should have kept all of that too. I don't know why I didn't, but whatever. Um, good. I wasn't. Good. I wasn't too happy with buying like mega VC coins and stuff. I'm not sure why. Yeah, for sure. That makes. Sense. I always talk myself out of some some things. I probably shouldn't, but whatever. I yeah, had them. That's investing. I made. I made my money off of them. I got like two or three x. So I'm not. It's not like I didn't do well. Yeah, it's so more than enough. It, whatever, it's enough. Like yeah, and then I bought yeah. Zeph at six, so like it's fine. Oh damn, um, that's a great entry. Well, I, that money I bought, I bought more, it's higher, but like mm-hmm. I bought, I used that, I, I used the, the Zeph that I did buy, all of the Zeph that I bought so far was stuff I was in gains on other stuff on. Mm. Um, and I kind of sold those and I moved them. Um, cause I, I, I'm going to benefit from the privacy factor of this. 100%. Like, <laughs> so, 100%. so, um, you know, it's like, you know, we won't say anything more than that. Um, but yeah, it's beneficial. For sure. Yeah, yeah, you kind of one well, thing I wanted to clarify. Last thing is that um, you mentioned. I mean, I, I'm I'm buying my shit off Safe Trade, and so far the experience like it's been kind of weird sometimes. But like I've managed to get all my shit out, which is which is good. Good, uh, but, yeah. I haven't heard um, any like thing go wrong with Safe Trade. It's just a strange name. It is. It's kind of it ironic. Seems like it's kind of this. Yeah, if it goes yeah. bad, it's like an ironic name, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you kind of, you kind of had to mention doing the whole kind of proton mail server is that only necessary if i was going to be trying to do mexi i would do it for so mexi doesn't allow certain email addresses and what they don't allow is a straight proton mail address okay but what you can do with proton mail is you can create an alien address an, an alias address with mm-hmm. your proton mail account so i would sign up for proton mail and then create an alias address and give that alias address to mexi and that's what you use to log in and that way like they won't block you otherwise they block it because it's like a yeah, it's an anon. Uh, it's an anonymous email. Okay. Yeah, my only my only concern doing that was like, imagine I'm like buying shit. I'm trying to send it out, and they somehow find out, and then my shit gets locked. So I was kind of yeah. They they won't if you have an email that's untraceable, and they don't actually have KYC on there anyway. Okay. And as long as you use a VPN out of Switzerland or something, it's you're fine. All right. All right. All yeah, right. Just pick a pick, pick a VPN country. They don't actually ask you for any information on there. Now that may change in the future, though. Like a lot of other exchanges, they were like you know, running roughshod, you know, KuCoin and Gate and BitMart and a whole bunch of them all kicked out U.S. customers eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, anybody that had like their KYC information within the U.S. So mm-hmm. there's that. But like the other option is just make up a bunch of shit and type it in there. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. or use the, use the information from some like address somewhere that's like not, um, that you just find out the internet or some shit. <laughs> yeah, that's valid. <laughs> that's another tactic is just make up some shit. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, as long as you're taking shit off of there and not leaving it, fine. Yeah, no, that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Go in, go out, you're, you know, and then whatever. 100%. All right. All right, man. Cool, I'll man. talk to you soon. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, pray for this bull market. Let's, let's uh, pray for the yeah. land. The Everyone start banging on, the, banging the drums. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right, bro. Peace. All right. Cool. Later.
I don't have enough to eat at home at this moment. <laughs> I'm like hungry, looking for snacks or something. Well, yeah, everything's uh, taken quite a little beating here. But it does look like, comparatively, though, um, Zephyr's probably is not moving lower with everything else. So it hit that 14.770, which is a fib at 14.69 exact. And it seems like people are not... Let me get on my computer. But what's the reserve ratio at Noob? Are you there? Are you, do you have your computer open? Let me see if it's like possible to get some ZRS yet. Grab my laptop here. I think it was like 8.0 something. It's like very close, right? It's like... Yeah. Hmm. Is it there yet? Oh my God, it's 811% still. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like uh, the one benefit to Zest price going down is to be able to convert, um, convert your Zephyr to ZRS. And it seems like... Who, the price has specifically reached exactly that moment where it's not possible. It's kind of funny, isn't it? I wonder if someone put in a bunch of limit orders there or something, preventing it from going down further so that nobody can like dilute their ZRS. Some jackass is fucking with me for sure. Like, it's, just too, it's just too exact. I've been waiting for since last night, like 12 hours. I've been waiting to kind of convert my... See that? Actually, I'm not sure if the web wallet does the same, but first it said something like... Uh, Actual price was above that eight, eight, eight x ratio, right? It just said okay, it was too high, and then when it dropped below, it actually uh, it actually displayed that the MA was too low. So I, I'm not sure if that was just on the desktop. Yeah, it says it, so. I just I just did the preview, the the sale preview, and it said it's eight point one one, which is eight hundred eleven. Yeah, but the funny thing percent. was it switched right. So this morning, at least here in Europe middle of the night for you i guess um we had like a dip already below that 14 it did it did dip but the thing is the moving average price didn't dip below yeah, but it, first it, it actually had that eight point something going down and then i was like oh we are close and then actually when yeah it's, it's very close but not quite there below it, it actually started to look at the ma i think there's a bug in the, in the interface there because it first looked at the actual spot price Oh, then, I don't know. And then when this spot price was low enough to actually do the exchange, it started to look at the MA price, right? So it was like... Mine says no. MA reserve not satisfied is the message I'm getting. Yeah, New reserve ratio would be 8.119, which is above the... And that's only with like 100 Zeph conversion. So I put a small amount just to kind of like see if it'll go through. So it looks at the amount after it goes through as well. Like it... it it tells you what the reserve ratio is after you buy it, not yeah. the like I what think, it is now. I think that's the minting condition for the transaction. Yep, yep. So it's actually, you need to be well below this level to make any serious, do this in any serious way. Like, I'm not sure how to get it. But yeah, I think like the, I guess the price to get there would be like 14 bucks. 14 bucks, but I would imagine like that reserve thing is going to fill up instantly, right? Like you know there's gonna be people watching this so i don't know it seems like a lottery to be able to get in to do this and i also don't know in the same block how how they will handle the sequencing of the, you, you don't do an interesting thing uh maybe this is an interesting thing to pose to the development team 
is that like people can queue their Zeph to provide in the ZRS queue, even though they're not actually in the thing. So maybe you have to lock your Zeph, like almost like pseudo stake it for like five days or some shit, but you go into a queue at that point. And then like, if an opening happens, you can jump in. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a, you know, way to, yeah, I'm not sure that's good or not though. To some extent, like this, the fact that we're playing this video game and paying attention is kind of its own sort of bullish thing, right? Like, <laughs> like because everyone, when that number comes close, everyone's like, ooh, you know, they consider their options. And one of the options they might consider is buying more Zeph at some point. You know what's kind of stupid? Um, mm. if, you, if you take, let's say, a website where this would be like, a, I don't know, like a DEX, something like that, you could have at least some metrics by Google or something, how many people would access your site, right? So right. you could get an idea how many people are clicking the fucking buttons. But because like this yeah. wallet is structured, you have no clue, you have no insights, right? Which you have no insight, yep. Yeah. There could be a ton of people mashing it right when it hits the exact thing. And um, I suspect that's what's going to happen, right? Like there's got to be way more Zeph outstanding than what's in the pool. So it's like the number of possible users. Um, and that's why I think, I could be wrong, but like I think this reserve ratio level sort of creates a floor price for the price of the coin. And someone said that that was the case before the previous run is that like a floor price happened based on the number of ZSD out in the system. And I don't know what that number was at the time because I don't think you can actually look that up. The um, like the It's almost like you want to take some screenshots of, in fact, I'll do that now, like take a screenshot of the the network state at the moment just to kind of like remind myself later what this looked like. Um, but yeah, it's like you'd, you'd want to have like that recorded with a date on it. Um, in fact, it'd be good to get the date on this website too, just to have it, you know, for the moving average and stuff. But the point is like, you have no way of like charting this to see like where um, like did the, floor price end up getting set by the zrs transfer level and at this you know, case i believe it's like 14 dollars. i got to tell you something stupid mm. like last time i took actually my laptop to my car to trade some shit was wall street bets with the gamestop thing right and today <laughs> i actually took my laptop into the bloody car to get some zsr <laughs> picking up my kids not to miss it you're like oh i want to miss this exactly exactly so this is a good it's a good thing to have that kind of attention right like it's like if crypto is a video it's game you want it's dangerous to drive with your laptop up there. <laughs> you want it you, you want an engaging video game and that that gift this gives you that but yeah i mean price wise it, like it stopped right at 469 but the interesting thing is someone minted that five hundred thousand dollars worth of zeph um or 550 now worth and it's like that created almost a floor here is that something the development team did as kind of a way to sort of like create an arbitrary floor right so they need something yeah i would think that they 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 pumped this out this this to sort of like yeah fund the decks and because it's team tokens they would want to have the least amount of liability in the system meaning you don't want to convert the Zeph when it's high priced, you want it to be low. The only people I can think of that would want to convert Zeph when the price is low is, is I'm sorry, convert to ZSD when the Zeph price is low are people that want to 
be buying it at the most like i guess you know um yeah the team would be the only one that makes sense to do this because like anyone else like let's say an exchange or somebody was minting it themselves you'd probably mint it when the collateralization ratio at its very highest in theory so that you're over collateralized more right whereas the team would probably want to create the least amount of liability in the ecosystem and you'd do that at the lowest ZEF price i'm just making this up i think that may be the theory but i don't know the team doesn't reveal this stuff anyway no it, it kind of makes sense it's more ethical to do it at like 15 dollars than you do it on 50 dollars, right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i mean and I would think like, I, yeah, I don't know how much Zef they're planning on plugging into these various um, ecosystems. I'm sorry, ZSD, but like maybe they're able to strike a deal with market makers where they pay them part of it in, you know, maybe they can pay them in ZSD and, you know, maybe eventually they can create trading pairs with Zef ZSD by they with putting it. Where they want to deploy that, that next rich chain. I'm not sure, but like Mr. Producer said that like he's one of the accounts on here. I don't know how closely he knows, but he's like it appears there's a couple of decks. Um, there's a couple of more uh, exchange listings being worked on, and he said that. Um, and then some people have been hinting that there's like some kind of a dex that might be created. I don't know how that works or who's making that or how good is it and all that shit. Well, the teams themselves is working on a dex. But I just wonder how they wrap it. You know, they have to kind of wrap it onto some other chain because that's still yeah. That's work, that's right? the problem, right? The the issue is going to be like how safe is that Dex? Um, no, I mean, if the team if the team's actually doing it, I I think it's not going to be a big too big of an issue if they. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's that easy to create a privacy Dex. That's my concern. So I don't know what that looks like yet. I mean, if you just look at Thorchain, which is a permissionless DEX. They don't even have privacy yet, and that was a complicated no, no, no. system to create. I, I, I guess it's it's just let's say, for example, they deploy this whole thing like a bridge or on ETH. You just have a ETH trading pair, and you can trade these three tokens, and they just honor redemptions on the on the Zephyr chain. Right? Like, there was another DEX that um, was being created called Sarai. Remember that one? Sir, um, Drake was talking about something called Sarai. I don't know how you spell that. Is it S-E-R-A-I or Sorai, S-A-R-I? I don't know. Let me see if I can find it. Sarai, Dex. But the concept, oh, Sarai.exchange. That's what it was. Tell me about this before. Let me bookmark this one, actually. Um, so what Sarai was talking about doing was adding um, Monero. Did they do it? Decentralized, secure, advanced. Sarai has neither a central authority nor admin keys. Everything's open, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure if this was one of those Thorchain forks. How's what it spelled? Network? Hmm? How's it spelled? S-E-R-A-I dot exchange. And what was interesting about this was that it was going to support Monero. Sarai will support swaps. It's not open yet. Between Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero, and itself. We plan to integrate, integrate more networks shortly afterwards. Um, we've partnered with Cake Wallet. How do swaps work? Use a collection of li concentrated liquidity pools. All pools have SR SRI on one side 
efficiently connecting the entire network's liquidity. So it's like an osmosis. These work together to enable even large swaps to be made quickly. Can I provide liquidity? Yes, once we're live. How can I contribute to Sarai? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let me see if there's um, what the documentation looks like on this thing. So I close the door. There's some noisy over here. Um, but yeah, there's documentation on this site. I'm not, let me see if it's like a Thorchain fork or what this thing is. Mm, let's see. Hey, Sefi, I just want to say, share something that now just happened. I attacked a project like Odin Protocol and they banned me and the price go down like 30% in one hour. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean they banned you? What, who? Uh, that's a rug, you know. They are trying to rug people by, you know, some kind, some kind of airdrop in Cosmos. And I asked a few questions and attacking their community and team. So they banned me and some kind of people freak out and trying to sell everything. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, the whole market's sort of dumping, so it may be you or maybe just the market, too. No, just one hour. Okay. It's not me. Yeah, like just, dumping but just within this hour, everything sort of fell, so I guess who knows. Yeah, now, um, yeah, so, yeah, if you look at the average price of links, for example, for the last... Um, The hell happened to my chart thing here? Somehow I lost one of my indicators on my ch chart thing. Broke it. I was going to say, like, um, now uh, links at a kind of a pretty rational price, about 440. It's about the average price for the past three months. Hmm. Anyway, but yes, I can't, I don't know where on this Sarai documentation page. It says what the hell they're doing. There's a lot of like readmes and shit in here. And Odin, Odin, it's Odin protocol. No, I don't care about Odin protocol. I'm talking about like this, <laughs> this other Sarai uh, decks. I'm trying to figure out if it's going to list. If it uh, so, they haven't opened yet. But I was trying to figure out what technology it uses. I don't. Know, I wasn't sure if it was like a fork of. Um, I wasn't sure if it's a Thor chain fork or not. I was trying to figure out. Can't really tell. I accidentally deleted the volume profile thing on my stupid chart. Add it back. Two hours ago, XRP ETF not in the cards. BlackRock says so. That's not good for Chugaboom's bag. That's <laughs> uh, funny stuff. And the funny thing, the more funny thing is, they still believe the XRP going to the ten dollar or something, and it's unbelievable, you know. How they can believe this <laughs> The craziest thing is that sometimes that happens in crypto, but yeah, I see what you're saying. It's hardly can go to the maximum one or two dollar maximum. It's five dollar XRP is impossible for me. <laughs> Holy shit, it's been so long since I've added a any kind of indicator on TradingView. I can't remember how to do it. Can't find the damn button. I accidentally deleted one of the ones. Can't find the damn volume profile indicator to put back. Anyone remembers visible what button range. to push? Huh? I think it's called visible range something. I know, but oh, here it is indicators, metric strategies. And I couldn't find the damn uh, 
actual thing. You know, the funny thing is about a lot of these strategies, they're truly just like nonsense. Like trading view has tons of stuff in it. Most of which is completely useless for any kind of predictive value of any kind. I discovered this after going through all the trading view indicators when I first did this. Dense chart astrology, I told you. Yeah, it's mostly just, yeah, it truly is mostly just um, chart astrology for sure. Yeah, visible range volume profile. They changed the name for the damn thing too. That's what you, that's what it is. There we go. Okay. I think I accidentally clicked a button while we we're talking, actually deleted it, and then it sort of like I accidentally saved it with that gone. I have to find it again. Yeah, it's like most of these charts you're looking for, like, is there something that approximates a trend reversal? Um, is there, and that's usually going to be kind of moving averages. And if you set the moving averages to a smaller candle, like an hour or four hours, what happens is, is that like, you'll get lots of trend reversals again and again, but that doesn't mean necessarily that that's going to imply a broader trend, just very short term. If you do a longer term trend, then, um, if you do a longer term trend, then you're late to the party. Um, so, so the, sh the shorter term systems have low, have high sensitivity but low specificity. The longer uh, term candles, like daily or whatever, have good specificity but not sensitive enough to detect a change early enough for you to make an actual buy or sell. This is the problem with these two methods. No matter how you do it, it's wrong. <laughs> like you're going to be wrong some of the time. That's why it's chart astrology for the most part. Not to mention, there's nothing on these charts that predicts like when someone Elon Musk is going to tweet something, or you know when Grayscale is going to do something, or when Sam Bankman-Fried did something, or whatever. Right? Like they like so th those things can't be predicted on these things at all. So if you have like, you're taking on leverage and you're like, ooh, I'm going to make money doing leverage trades. It's like, yeah, sure. Until it works fine until the minute it doesn't. And um, over longer periods of time, usually you lose money if you're doing a lot of like day trading. It's kind of like Nassim Taleb's book, you know, The Black Swan. Yeah, you know, there's one thing I always like to compare it with is, is weather predictions, right? So with all the computing power and whatnot, right? We're like two weeks. We're pretty good. Your voice sounds really weeks. far away, by the way. It's hard to hear you. But yeah, the weather yeah. prediction. Yeah. Yeah, we're good at within two weeks. If we if it's out like 30 days, it's, it's kind of getting really crappy. And within two months, it's like poor luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although I would say like the price stuff is even worse than weather predictions. Because like the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Because with worse. weather predictions, at least like the odds that you're going to have a hurricane creep up on you today right like that you can't predict is pretty low like it's just makes it category five makes landfall today right like like the odds of that are not high whereas in crypto the the black swan events or the white swan events the big events happen just out of the blue instantly 
and yeah, that's the, problem. the worst thing you have some intern tweeting something on some <laughs> big twitter account or news outlet some complete bullshit or they hack the fat like something stupid and you get these candles out of nowhere i mean this this wouldn't happen yeah. in nature right i mean the sun wouldn't well okay if the sun explodes who cares right but, i mean it's not like, <laughs> it's not like it's, it's not that kind of unpredictable you know there's some there's more stability to weather than there is to these markets. Yep. This Zephyr dip is interesting, actually. Looking at like the price action for like on the four hour chart and stuff, there's a fair amount of buying going on here. Yeah. Um, it's a bigger candle than we've had since like January 8th. Let me see. Um, and it's like holding up with the rest of the altcoin space. So it's, I think, yeah, maybe there is this concept of this floor being set in by the, the price where you'd normally be able to convert ZEF to ZRS. And maybe there's people that have ZRS that are defending that price level by buying the coin and preventing everyone else from getting it. Maybe just theoretical here, but like possibility. Yeah, we're at 809% reserve ratio at the moment. <laughs> so it's like right around this level. So if Bitcoin takes a dump, and pulls this down, it might like pull it down faster than people can buy it up. And then there's an opportunity to convert. So it's pretty close. But let's see what happened to volume today overall. Um, yeah, it's like 1.2 million again. So we haven't been to this much volume in quite some time. $1.2 million worth, not, not coins. So we, we haven't been to this in quite some time. That's good. So it's like um, what is happening is we had like a triple bottom, like it's 17 bucks or 16 bucks or something. And falling below that is kind of like the capitulation where it freaks people out. So I think that was probably getting close to last capitulation. It could dump lower, but this looks exactly like classic um, like crypto chart, like straight up, down, 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 little like, you know, a couple of fake outs along the way. As we went down, like there was a complacency shoulder. There was another little like mini bear market rally to 30 bucks. And then there's another little mini rally the other day with BTC and it went to like you know, 25. And then we have like, and then this big flat area and then a dump. So this is like, if you go back to BTC, you know, 2018, 2019, it's this chart pretty much. And, um, and then, you know, you, you go, you get to some dip here, Zephyr will kind of do its thing. And then it will bottom out. It'll have like some little, you know, cup sort of like looking thing here where it just finds a bottom. And then from there, it'll be like trending upwards, trending upwards, trending upwards. And then like once people are convinced that like the bottom is in, so to speak, then everyone will sort of start diving in. Or at least the sellers will be exhausted. And, you know, everyone that was going to panic finishes panicking, right? This is, the, this is that area. So this is a very, very classic crypto chart, Zephyr. <laughs> like so typical that you can just like um just standard behavior yeah but it kind of looks good i mean let's see how this how this candle closes today you know where we end up if we if we have no follow through on that on that liquidation today if we close it like above 15.5 or something today which is easily possible yeah i mean Considering this is like a two-month um, time period, 
Um, this is a pretty classic accumulation period, um, distribution accumulation type of chart. So, um, yeah, nothing particular. It's not like a pump and dumpish. Like, you know, people ask like, oh, maybe the devs are dumping or whatever. No, like, no, this is just a standard chart. There's nothing um, like very, very standard crypto chart. <laughs> like, like looks just like BTC did back in uh back in those days or or any number of charts look like this too and and charts look more like this during like more fresh price discovery um versus like consolidation charts which are a little bit different so it's like october you had a mini pump to like six bucks pulls back to like four runs to like 24 pulls back to 17 runs to 27 pulls back to 22 33 um pulled back to 27 etc and then it finally tops out at like 52 or so which was um just about a 10x from five bucks right so like that's a pretty good um run and then you have like 40 dollar pump to like complacency shoulder pulls back pulls back pulls back and then um yeah a bunch of little mini mini pumps but clearly like some those little mini pumps imply there were some buyers here and there that definitely bought and um and then now it's like got it went flat like people are bored volume dropped off to basically nothing and now it's like the primo buy zone like this is the like i mean you're only like six dollars was the breakout we're at 1450 uh, that's pretty good you're, you're you're doing pretty good if you're picking up here i think um but we're 72 percent down from the all-time high at the moment and um we're still 1200 percent from the all-time low which is dollar 11. so there you go did you see that they decided today in the european union that they want to have exchanges reporting on transactions that are over 1000 euro <laughs> yeah who's, who's going to do all that paperwork yeah. How about that's the regulation, you know, they want to put that out there. It's like Yeah. Or they'll make them keep records and if they're asked to give those records, they'll then have to provide them. Yeah, kinda but I mean they probably have to keep records anyway by the banking laws, you know, if they operate illegally they have to record their stuff for twelve years or some shit. Yeah, and, and other exchanges like stockbrokers and stuff report these things too. Yeah, so I mean, it wouldn't it's, be. It's not out of the question that it becomes a normal thing. Yeah, but they promote it like it's, it's something really special, and now we do something. And I was like, oh God. I don't know. You know, it's like more useless paperwork. What are you gonna? What what's gonna happen? You know, some someone's going to pay you three dollars more in taxes, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. God. Just... Yeah, so so in Zephyr, there's like one, two, three failed breakouts, and then flattening, and then capitulation, uh, which is I think this candle from like that last little bit down from like sixteen down to around thirteen eighty at the lowest. So um, yeah, I think like maybe you have one last dump maybe i don't know if btc drops or something 
Uh, you know, my guess is by the end of the month, they probably release it somewhere on whatever, you know, and, and we're going to get a pump before the end of the month for Seth. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean that Dex thing is just gonna be gonna be event that's positive price wise, right? So whatever is the bottom, it really doesn't matter, but it's gonna climb. It's gonna climb decently, I think. I'm not sure if it's gonna break fifty bucks. It really depends on on Bitcoin, right? But I'm also happy if it just goes like to forty something and then does some more consolidation over there. You know, it doesn't have to actually go to an all time high straight away. It's just going to motivate too many people to just sell the coins at the top if the price goes too high, right? Which is also kind of, I rather want to see this like slow bleed out, like what we just saw, right? This is better than getting some real like sharp dump, like in two or three days, losing like, I don't know, 40% of the value. That's, that's not looking good for anything, right? Wait, I missed what? What's looking good about I mean, Zeph is looking good, you know. I mean, it's like we don't we we get a we get this retracements for whatever seventy something percent, but it's 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 over time. It's stretched out. We didn't get single candles like daily candles with like thirty percent or something down. Now. Right, exactly. Like each... I don't like these kind of things. This is kind of really fishy. If you see something losing value by thirty percent in a day, that's a really bad thing. To... Yeah, either that or like just very heavy trading activity. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, on the way up, it did. Like on the way up, it would go to like six and then drop to three, and you know this type of thing. Uh, it went to like twenty five and then dropped to fifteen, for example. So it it'll do this, but yeah, like um, but since then, on the retrace, yeah, not in a the retrace, day, you know? yeah. Not in a single day. That's always the thing. Like if it if it moves that much in a single day, it's 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 not good. You know, it's Probably definitely not. something. Yeah. So I, I like it. This this chart actually looks pretty organic. Like not too much. Big yeah, classic in there. classic crypto chart kind of proof of work. Yeah. I mean, if we get to higher prices, it will become more choppy. I guess you know because mm -hmm. it's just like um, I don't how, how this mess plays out. I, I I would say you know. Yep, you just have to pull up like early BTC chart, and you'll find this this type of look. Yeah, <laughs> every like every coin does this. And then, yeah, I mean, in lock chart, it doesn't look that bad, right? At least, right? <laughs> it looks worse in the linear chart. But uh, yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah, on the linear chart, yeah, it always looks much worse. And people say, like, why do you use log charts? Because, like, aren't you gonna you know, you're not going to panic sufficiently. You're going to have, you're going to see your money go down 80% and you're fine. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to see my money go down 80% and I'm fine. Um, so like the, the log chart <laughs> allows you to see a, a longer price history and rationalize it um, in some ways, whereas a linear is more for a day trader in my view. Yeah. See, this is like so for crypto with like something that has more exponential adoption, exponential cash flows, um, then log chart makes sense. Whereas if you're looking at stocks and shit, you don't need log charts for this. this you know, this is the problem that why reasonable and rational people can't make money in crypto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait, it retraced ninety percent. What? 
I mean, like, <laughs> realistically, like, did I think, like, I didn't think that there was a chance in hell. Like, now, granted, I sold Chainlink at the top last time just by happenstance. And I didn't think, number one, I was surprised that Chainlink didn't make another high when Bitcoin made its second high last season, right? It had that double top. Uh, Chainlink actually put in a lower high, which is pretty bearish. And, um, but I was not aware that it would, like, I didn't think it would return to the $5 level again and give up practically all of its like 2020 onwards gains. I thought like a coin like that would at least hold on to, I don't know, maybe it would drop like 80% from the top or maybe 75%, right? Cause it's like a blue chip platform, right? And it didn't actually achieve that at all. It just tells you that like the number of speculators that were in the system were very high. And then when you saw like the 18 month consolidation being very, very sideways, that's really bullish now because you've shaken out all the speculators. Anyone who felt like they could make money off this thing speculating, they didn't make shit. So they left. <laughs> like, the only people left are the hodlers. And to me, that's like a bullish feature at this point of the of the system does that does that make sense like i don't know it, it you know had i made the wrong choice and held held it all the way to the bottom um it would have been uh you know just basically give up all gains in fact compared to where like my dad got into chain link it was higher than five dollars he would have been at a loss at five bucks at the bottom right like although realistically the bear market average is like seven-ish maybe right um so i bought it seven this time but like my goal is not to hold it all the way up and all the way down i think like to me i put enough into chain link that if it gets back to its prior high or thereabouts i might sell a significant chunk of it um maybe initial investment or something and then ride the rest maybe something like that right um but like or maybe just ride it to try to get to see if it goes to 140 and stop there, um, which would be kind of like a 10 X from here. Seems reasonable. Um, beyond that, it's probably greed. Maybe it goes, maybe it doesn't. Right. <laughs> like, um, or maybe all of this is greed. Maybe like even hitting prior high is greed this season. I don't know. What do you think? What, what if BTC doesn't even get to prior, like get to its previous high this season? That would be like, uh, you know, it could easily be the case that, <laughs> There's a significant interest that it doesn't go much higher than 100k, you know, which would look actually pretty bad for Bitcoin, you know. Yeah, or what if it doesn't go past its last high? Nah, I don't think they. That would know, look like serious shit, right? I mean, yeah, but I think there's still parties that are interested in moving it beyond that price, you know. But it could get really tricky if you don't have some fishy thing like FTX going on. Yeah, but there's not a lot of BTC on exchanges. But I'm just saying, like. Like, like, what is the edge case where we, we are predicting, like, ridiculous bullishness, but it turns out to be, like, it's ridiculously more bearish than we think or something? It'd be interesting. But um, I certainly didn't plan at all for the, um, like, I did not have, like, I didn't expect an FTX crash, for example. I did not expect, um, you know, miners being kicked out of China. I didn't expect covid causing you know a whole thing in the market <laughs> so there's, there's the black swan stuff of course 
but there's also just the um this like missed expectations that you think it's going to do x y and z and it just never does for some reason like the the ugliest thing like the ugliest outcome would be it's like oh I got my BTC back to previous level. I'm going to sell and everyone sells at that price and it goes down again. It double chops. I think Willie Wu mentioned this. He's like, oh, maybe we just go sideways for the next few years and that'd be weird. That would be very bad for BTC to go sideways for that long, I think. It would imply terrible levels of adoption. And, you know, even if it, even if it, passes the prior high just the action between 70 and, and 100k would still be like super ugly you know people expect it to hit like 130 or ish or whatever at least you know and so if you just go barely to 100 it's like yeah what the gains for four years were like uh yeah worse <laughs> yeah it's like why are you in a high risk high volatility i mean sort of like not high risk but high volatility asset why are you in it if it's not for high gains yeah, you went all the way yeah. down to 16K from your buy at 65, right? And then you sell it at 100. It's like, yeah, great. <laughs> well, at least four years, right? Yeah, it's it's performing more like a high probably interest. Like, probably less than savings account now. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's basically functioning like a high interest saving account or something now. <laughs> yeah. No, that was kind I, of Wabi's, well, that was Wabi's comment about it. He's like, what the hell would you be doing in this thing? Like, it's not going to go up enough to matter. It's purely like, and it's only a store of value if you buy at the bottom, by the way. It's not a store of value if you buy the top. Not really. Like, so you, you want to pick up dips and, and that's it, pretty much. Yeah, and I think at least for this, after this COVID thing with all the inflation and everything, I think that the financial system so far they have prepared, you know, they have made their homework and they have so many, uh, it could still break, you know, and I don't think actually that it'll break this year. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, I agree that the indicators are mostly bullish, but does that play out over this, season, this cycle or not? I'm, yeah, I'm assuming it does, but. I think it's just going to be like, you know, inflation is going to just be like consistently high for a while because that's that's what. This always boils down to whatever they do, you know, wherever they inject some liquidity or manipulate something, it's always just going to be inflation in the end of the day because that's that's the only thing they can do, right? That's my guess. But um, how, I mean, they tapped the brakes pretty hard with this rate, rate oh, hike. You're saying, you're, saying no. you're thinking that like they're just going to inject liquidity at some point and the market's pump again for some reason? Yes, but this could be actually after the crypto market topped, you know. I think they actually are also concerned with with Bitcoin. They 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 they, they do they make a lot of fuss and, and it's not because they they ignore it, right? It's like all this these shenanigans, they know that they kind of um, yeah, it's a metric, right? It's a metric that they have that they don't like because it's not inflatable and it's an absolute yardstick that you can put something against it. So there are some workarounds. You can get Wall Street in, you can create paper Bitcoin and they're trying to pull that, I think, to some extent. And yeah, I, don't, I don't get the sense that like the government spends a tremendous amount of its mind share on it, though, worrying about yeah, but, it. But there are some guys... Sense. There are some guys that are worried about it and maybe it's... Yeah, the there's a few, but like in general... I don't see a whole, it doesn't like occupy a lot of political headspace. Like people don't make big election issues out of it. People don't 
you know, talk about it when they're running for, you know, various elections and whatnot. It seems like a, I don't know, it seems like an afterthought to most people still. It's such a small market caps anyway. We're, we were talking about the market cap of like one or two yeah. companies, right? Yeah. The whole the whole space. And not only that, but like there's only so much regulation they can actually do about it because it's all over the world. What do you, you know, how do you gonna, how are you going to fix all that? So, I don't know. It seems like there's a bit of a capitulation on the part of government that they just don't care as much as people think. I mean, the people that are paranoid are like, oh, the government did this, government did that. But the, mostly the government doesn't do shit. They don't, you know, like it's just gigantic morass of people that like, you know, can't get their act together either way. <laughs> so I don't know. Hey, listen, um, I'm going to run for a bit. I'm going to go pick up some food and things. So I'll catch you again, catch the gang later. Hopefully your bags don't go to zero today. Nah. Um, <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you later. See you there. Good night. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets, dead ends, dragging out the max amount of payments, red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these token knocks, they probing this bear, flexing broken knots. I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting knots, and then to end a long day, eleven bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity. Before they hit rock bottom over impossible loss It's all moss and I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning forming mycological bonds Click the cap yo the road is highly involved Flip a coin diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner They stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers Motherfucker screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt we rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served